Hey everyone, and welcome to The Ramble, presented by WebV Guide. I'm Rachel Hip Flores, and today I'm talking with maybe the only person that can be... What is going on over there? Do you hear? What's... Oh, no, there's chairs because people are leaving. I'm at um, an outdoor area right now, doing this on the go. But yeah, I guess people are leaving their brunch right now. So, oh, And there's children. Oh, that'll do it. <laughs> Well, the person who is in, you know, at, at the outdoor space with children is Shira Lazar, who is um, pretty much the boss of the internet. Um, Shira is oh, the co-founder. Oh no, but it's just real. Um, the co-founder of the Emmy-nominated and multi-award-winning What's Trending, as well as the Partners Project. Uh, she's been the host of the live stream for the red carpet interviews of the Oscars, the Grammys, the Tonys. Uh, she's done wonderful work with the nonprofit world with uh, the American Red Cross and the Trevor Project, Covenant House, a whole bunch of others. And she's been featured in Wired, Fast Company, Huffington Post, Forbes, Variety, literally all over the internet uh, for her work in the digital field. And Shira... How the hell are you doing? I'm good. I'm sitting in front of a fire pit drinking a mimosa. So things oh, are good. <laughs> that is a really good way. <laughs> That's just a really good way to spend a Saturday. There you go. Biking. I got my, I fixed a bunch of shoes. So I don't need to pay uh, another few hundred dollars for new shoes. I Excellent. just fixed them up. So it's a good day. <laughs> Where are you biking? I, I, Playa del Rey is like a million years from everywhere that I'm familiar Where are you? with. In Los I'm in Koreatown. Oh, yeah. That, well, that's like a 45-minute drive. I mean, I do the drive every day because my office is in Hollywood. So, And where are you actually located? Playa Vista. So we're, oh. I live in Playa Vista, but uh, yeah, <laughs> let's not get too specific because I don't know who's listening, but yeah. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. But like, that's a 45-minute drive. That is not a 45-minute yep. bike ride. There's like a definite yeah. split there. Good golly. Uh, yeah, a lot of driving every day. So we'll see in the future where the office ends up being because definitely it's not necessarily efficient <laughs> with my time. Yeah, fair enough. But, fair enough. Do you hit like the, yeah. do you plan your day around the rush hour traffic? Is this like a thing where you go in at 6 a.m. so it takes you 10 minutes oh, to God. get there? Uh, well, no, I typically try to go after 9 a.m. It's always 45 minutes to an hour, but we are going to be starting some, a bit of a morning show or we're going to be playing around with a morning show on this app called Lively coming up. So mm -hmm. I think I'm going to end up driving earlier. So maybe I'll Good beat time. the traffic. I mean, I wake up early. It's just more like the idea of getting ready and driving that I procrastinate. <laughs> yeah, I understand that. <laughs> I do understand yeah. that. Do you have like certain things that you listen to on your on your way there that just sort of like get you in a zone? I'm into local radio, so I'll do oh, cool, yeah. you know all terrestrial radio, old school, yes. and then uh, I catch up on calls. So a lot of you know I'll I'll randomly call like my best friend from my hometown mm -hmm. at like eight or nine a.m. They're like, of course you're calling. Are you on your way to work or are you leaving work? Or nice. my mom, and so. A lot of that catch up. But yeah, I love like Ryan Seacrest in the morning or Carson Daly. And... Yeah, I realized that like <laughs> I heard out on radio that. out. Oh, totally. I realized that like radio out here is so much of a bigger deal than it ever was in New York. And I think it's because of the car culture. Like, yeah. And then in New York, I think it's more podcast probably yeah. because you were in subways and everything. Right. Because there's no like radio signal down there. Yeah. Hi. Yeah. <laughs> So, Shira, uh, let's start with where it started for you. Um, I feel like you're this wonderful, specifically modern intersection of a lot of things. Like, you're a journalist, you're an entertainer, 
you're an entrepreneur, you're a, an online personality. Um, what was your gateway drug to all of this? Like, what was your first love? I guess uh, being on camera. I definitely mm -hmm. loved being on camera and connecting with people and interviewing people. Mm -hmm. And then, but I think I was empowered by the fact that I could produce and it wasn't like I had to audition to make those things happen. So it was a mixture mm -hmm. of both those things that really excited me. Mm -hmm. And then, I mean, I did the traditional auditions and I came at a time in LA where YouTube wasn't around yet, not to age myself, but I could <laughs> I don't either remember go that the, time. Yeah, sure I, know, just. Right? I could either have gone the local TV news station route or local radio, but you'd have to start in small markets and work your way up for mm -hmm. audition and hope to get a big show or get on E or MTV or any of those. And so the local route, I just didn't feel like that was me because I was a very big city person mm -hmm. and loved culture of big cities. And then I would, you know, I started doing the audition process for the more traditional jobs and it just like, those are a dime a dozen and they're so hard to get. And I would uh, get close to it, but no cigar. And so for me, I was like, there needs to be a way for me to work on my craft and the stuff that I love doing without necessarily getting a job doing it. Like how can I day to day practice what I love? And so mm -hmm. that's where the internet came in and digital where there were so many gigs out there. And like a lot of people felt that it was a stepping stone for something bigger, but for me, it ended up being the thing that allowed me to really work on what I loved. Uh, and right. I started, you know, it wasn't like there were a lot of job positions available, but I, I found the opportunities and the gaps and kind of created jobs from there. Right. Um, can you, sorry, in like 2005, I think. Right. <laughs> um, you talk about loving to be on camera and then this ability to produce. How did you discover that about, like, how did you discover that you, that was a thing that you could do? Was it just sort of, an, in, an inherent quality that you always knew about yourself or was it just I'm going to try this first and you weren't really sure if you could like can you talk about that transition yeah I, I acted a lot and performed a lot when I was younger so I did love the performing aspect of things and just like losing yourself and having no shame and doing what you needed to do in front of people like I just I love the idea of escaping into the performance mm -hmm. so it was a part of that and uh, but I when I when I was younger I started auditioning and I didn't really like that process and so I ended up getting more into directing and producing. And so I found that I had a, a, a knack for tracking down people. Like I, I always was like a degree separated from everyone. So I, was, I could find ways to get things done and figure out, you know, whether it be you had an idea for something and how do we make it happen? I love that challenge. Mm -hmm. And so I think the mixture of both those passions came together and uh, helped me as I, got more into more broadcasting and on camera and digital storytelling where um, it was all about being resourceful and passionate and uh, not needing to be, I guess, overly produced. And so I guess I used all the things I'd, I, all the things I loved to build this kind of new position that right. at the time wasn't really there. Right. And it's, it's become very useful now even. I mean, now when I oversee things, like, no one could mess with me in a way. Like, what, if, if you question me or you're like, oh, that can't be done. I'm like, really? Because I've been on every side of the scenario. Yeah, like, I know what's right. possible. And I know that this can be edited quickly. I know at what budget. I know how this can be produced. Or if we need something, yeah, it might be difficult to get. But why not think of how easy it can be to get? I don't know. I'm always thinking about the glass half full with everything. Mm -hmm. 
So it's just a perspective. Uh, but yeah, I guess it came somewhat innately, but I also, when I was younger, like weird things, like I would do interviews for projects when I was younger. So instead of, yeah, instead of presenting it like in um, a presentation, like, oh, this is what happened. Here's my board or whatever. I would create a video pretending to interview an expert in the field. That's awesome. And so I would, and, and so if I had like a biology project or something in sciences, Mm -hmm. I remember doing one where I had to pretend, I I guess I pretended my friend was a doctor and I was the interviewer. Mm -hmm. And then we found an actual room in the hospital. Like we just went in and found an empty room (laughs) and we just like set it up. Like, so I've always done stuff guerrilla style. and So I remember doing that and we just did it and no one said anything. And then also I did a project, this is so geeky, but I did a project about the Titanic. And I remember my history teacher was like, you're crazy because I found the recipes for the desserts and like made them for my presentation for everyone. And then I found at the time the movie was coming out and I went to a movie theater to get the poster. So I felt that would really help for some reason. I yes. don't know why. Leonardo more like my enthusiasm helps. and effort. I was like, <laughs> I can at least an A plus for enthusiasm and effort. And that, that goes a long way. Wait, wait, wait. How, all right, because this was that. All right, so Titanic was 1997. So you're finding the recipes before the internet was like the internet that it is now. Yeah, I guess that's how, true too then. I was very much an internet and investigator. I don't know. Really? I was finding things. Like I was very much about yeah investigating or there was probably it was probably in books though too hmm. i i would i would hang out at my local library a lot when i would do projects and i was like i was an intense researcher nice <laughs> that's brilliant so all right you talk about creating these opportunities for yourself um a lot of your early opportunities if correct me if i'm wrong um were under the umbrella of more traditional news outlets and i'm wondering oh, yeah. if you've if you is that true first of all yeah I mean, is people, that it's so funny it? though because i feel like i've always straddled both worlds when people it's funny to see how people uh, or what people's perceptions are of you <laughs> because um people think that i had this huge background in traditional when for me i always felt like an outsider to traditional i'm like the black sheep like i always felt like the alien in traditional and that i never i was always pushing to get jobs and no one was really accepting me and that's why i went digital um but i guess i always i had opportunities but it was never i never fully embraced them or i'd have like i would have a stint or a gig and then i would get fired and so i was still always uh, a bit alienated from the process i felt at least but it's funny because when people um approach me or talk about me they're like oh yeah you you were this very successful traditional broadcaster and I guess I I have worked with a lot of traditional companies but on my end yeah I I always felt a bit like the outsider which is interesting but can you talk about like yeah because there is there is that sort of uh schism and divide can you talk about the way that um the way that those traditional outlets sort of viewed the online um you know facet of it I mean, this is back in the day, back before, you know, it was really expected that you would have an um, an online platform as a traditional, um, as a traditional. Yeah, platform. I guess for me, for me, when I would approach traditional, it was more, it, it, what happened was it, there was never a job really there. Mm-hmm. It was always like, I see a gap and here's my pitch on what, why this is me valuable. And so I created the positions. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I was always finding first and that excited me. So and it was also also a bit of an uphill battle, obviously. It was yes. always an uphill battle. 
So I was, you know, definitely, I started becoming a talking head for TV networks like Fox News and CNN way back. But that was because of my digital experience. So when they Googled Entertainment Reporter Los Angeles, I at the time had a website that pegged me as an entertainment reporter. A lot of people at the time didn't get building the brand of me, right? Like, they didn't get why you'd put effort to building your own brand on digital, which now is a normal thing, right? Right. Uh, and so what digital actually allowed me and, and allowed traditional to fi- find me to do these projects. Another company I worked with started out digital and get, got bought by NBC, and that allowed me to transition to more TV stuff as well. But then all those gigs would end somehow very quickly. <laughs> like I would have them, and, and then something would come up in terms of execs or the demo wasn't right or they wanted someone different, a different look or a different background. It makes sense, but, but then I would always fall back on digital because for me, that was my community. Those are my homies. And like, it was never about multiple layers of acceptance. I could just do and be and work. Uh, but I've also always embraced both those worlds. So I think it's it's always interesting for me. It's a challenge to get traditional to understand the importance. Obviously now there's no difference between both. I mean, there's startup culture and there's new next generation publishers. Mm-hmm. But everyone's playing in a similar world. And at this point, traditional is understanding all this. However, there's still, I would say, processes and and emerging platforms that they don't get and how they sell. And, and they, they're still, I would say, um, a perspective they don't, might not understand because they're not in the trenches of the creator community Right. in terms of why certain things are more authentic than others and why it's, it's important to do certain things versus other things. There's still an authenticity that you can't buy into. So how do you seek that out? I mean, you are in a space where the, it's just – the rate of change is head spinning and you have managed to evolve and change and adapt to all of these new platforms. How do you not just run around like a chicken without a head trying to keep up with every new platform that comes out? We do. I mean, definitely there's a drain to it. It can be a bit draining. I think that you need to stay curious and stay excited and see once again, the glass half full. So how exciting is it that we're in a time that we're in? And in, a, and in a space that we're in, and instead of looking at, well, the things that could drain us of this process, let's see it from another perspective. So it's all about perspective. And, uh, yeah, and I think you need to definitely figure out wh- where you put your time because it's easy to, once again, be distracted. So to see the platforms that are supporting creators, where there's engagement, and where the industry, obviously, and models are. So, you know... You know the places you need to be, which is typically at this point Facebook, I would say Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. For some people, YouTube is even becoming a, a difficult place for a lot of publishers because it's just harder to build there because you can't buy subscribers in the same way and views like Facebook, right? Which is true. Um, yes. And then there's obviously emerging platforms like we're on Musically and Lively, this really hot app for teens, and there's Snapchat, of course, but. When people ask me, like, well, how do you decide on where you're going to put your effort? Uh, it's through a bit of trial and error and just seeing, I, I think there's a trust of where the other creators are. So you mm-hmm. see where your other peers are and where people are playing and what they're, uh, what they're getting in terms of results. 
-hmm. And when you see there's a lot of engagement and growth, you're like, okay, this is worth playing in that, you know, sandbox. Do you feel like <laughs> because you want to you want to be there before other people? Because then, you know, you want to, there is something about the process of being there before the mainstream comes in. So you're early, you're being highlighted in a way from the platform, you're, you're like friends and family with, just like Vine, how Vine happens, and all that, you know, that kind of crash and burn. Right, right, right. I mean, do you feel like you are the one who decides to change? What, or do you feel like that time to change is sort of decided for you? A bit of both. I, I think it's an awareness of what excites you and with the instinct you have just having been around and then from, you know, from seeing what other people are doing and what's working for them. Can you talk to me about like sticking, there's like the sort of dichotomy that I think uh, web journalism and online journal journalism has to go through where it's sort of sticking to what you know and focusing on like on focusing on your brand and building that specific thing versus having to adapt and and um just the risk of trying something new of innovating is there a way to mitigate that risk or is it just always a caution to the wind element yeah it? no you always have to embrace it i think you have to balance out with where like for me when i find something new i maintain all my other stuff and then I, I start playing around, and then as I see results, and hopefully if you see positive results, then you say, okay, I need to create a workflow around this. I need to add this to our process. Mm -hmm. And so how do I add it without maybe adding extra people? or extra, I mean, it's going to be extra work, but how do we uh, include it? So I, I think, but, but you have to realize, yeah, every platform could die in a year or two, and so you need to be aware of the the changing cycles and the patterns and the stats and the data and where it's worth putting your energy into so it's i think it's a balancing act of focusing on what you know mm -hmm. and continuing to push for that because that's your expertise right i mean you, like the worst thing is to distract yourself by pretending you're something you're not or by doing things that other people are doing because mm -hmm. it's happening at the same time i think you need to spend like I think 75% on the stuff that you're good at and then 15% on emerging and uh, mm -hmm. experimenting and all that. I think that's really important or else then you could also plateau and get stuck. Because you can't – what, 25? My boyfriend's saying what, 25? Oh, shoot, 75, 15%. <laughs> Thanks, luckily. 75% and 25%. Oh, my God, what is wrong with me? I went to Emerson College. We're not good at math. Wait, the other 10 on nothing? <laughs> then he says the other 10 on nothing. You should be in this part. Uh, so so you, oh, no. So 15% on experimentation and 10% on what? You said nothing? So you could let, like, when you spend, when you spend 10, no, I would say 10% on things that are not meant for work. So it, it, that enables creativity. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, they're nice safe. There nice you go. Safer. We made the math work. <laughs> well done. So talking about that, you know, that sort of 10, that other 10%, um, you are so um, prolific. You have, you create so much content, not only through your brands, but through your personal channels. Um, is there anything that's, that you keep private that you decide to like say, you know what, actually this is just for me and I don't really want it um, as part of my, you know, my, my greater brand, my more public journey. It, what's the conversation that you have with yourself around that? 
What uh, what do I not bar? They're asking me what I keep private. What hey, versus Bart. public? <laughs> no, I think I'm pretty. I've I've decided to live a very authentic life. So, mm -hmm. uh, I do believe who you see when I'm on camera is pretty much the same as who I'm off camera, and that's actually allowed me. I I think to be able to do as much work as I can do and it's not being a drain. <laughs> so yeah. if, if you have such a separate persona from who you are, it becomes a very big drain. But uh, I think it's more that I take time to myself to have that experimentation that's not connected to work. So it's more like experiments in lifestyle and uh, experience. Mm -hmm. And that allows me to do better at what I love doing. Like, you know, just w w doing stuff that's not connected to results or work, but right. then it actually expands your creativity and, and your, I, I would just say, openness to everything and creates more positivity with what you do. So, yeah, whether it be biking or uh, and a spiritual soul kind of work, that the more you expand that, I do believe it allows you to expand this other side of you that is related to what we call work, which is more expression. I think that's, I mean, we yeah. Get, we, yeah. And no, I think, so, okay. yeah, I mean, like, I mean, you know, I sleep in on the weekends, like, stuff like that. <laughs> I don't talk, well, I don't talk about that. There is this sense of, I would say, sometimes weakness of, like, giving yourself time for yourself. But I think it's, I do think it's important or else your body will do it for you because you'll just get sick, right, or burned out or this or that. So you just need to be very aware of what you need because you can't output if you're feeling, like, not yourself or like you can't be at, uh, as yeah. good at what you do as you can be. I mean, Absolutely. I, I, Absolutely. I, I, you know, meditation or visualization affirmations, like all the stuff that I do for myself mm -hmm. that I don't talk about, but right. it's part of the process. It's the stuff that happens behind the scenes that allows me to create at a high uh, output, I guess, like, or mm -hmm. uh, be uh, as, opportunistic as I can be and uh, as yeah. able as I can be. I think is it, do, and, you, yeah. do you find it difficult to, um, to do all that? I, I love that, that idea of doing something that's just not connected to results. That's not connected yeah. to, um, you know, some type of end goal or end game. Um, and I think that it's, it must be very difficult in, uh, a world that is so obsessed about like how many views am I getting? What's the yeah. count on this? Like it's so numerical. And is that yeah. is that a challenge that you faced that you've had to overcome, or are you able to sort of compartmentalize? It's definitely something we're aware of. Like we were with another couple yesterday, and they're very much in a time that they're focused on everything, and they're they're killing it. And so mm -hmm. you see that, and you're like, okay, what am I doing with my spare time, and how can I be more productive? At the same time, you have to realize everyone's going through their own journey, and you have to be true to your journey. And and it's the balance of being hyper-productive with uh, being being open to time almost and, and space, you know, and and not creating schedule and, out, you know, productivity. Like, once it goes, it goes back to the 10%. So we have a different process than other people. Mm -hmm. And so I think you have to compare and contrast, but the, you can also get really distracted if you're constantly following what other people are doing. You just have to focus on your process and your work. And yes. uh, I also think it's scheduling. So if you're going to, if you know you need this time or this day to do X, like, you know, we'll be checking emails and having calls while we're out and about 
Mm-hmm. And so we're mixing in work and play, and it allows us to be more productive than maybe sitting down for three hours on a Saturday to do emails. I'd rather do that on the go. Uh, and then I also have just a process of how I just answer emails right away instead of waiting for them to bulk up, right? So I'm not having to spend a whole day on my weekend. Like some people literally will spend all day on Sunday going through their emails because they skipped out on a, on a ton of stuff over the week. And I just answer things and keep things flowing as it, as it comes in, so I don't need to go back. I'm never going back, really. Yeah, that makes, so that, you, that makes sense. You have to create your own, your own, I guess, model for productivity um, and just know yourself. So what's good for me might not be good for other people. And, um, but we're definitely aware, and there's a pressure. Like today, I was like, we need to shoot a video for YouTube, and then I need to do this so you can go live on your channel so I can get more followers on my channel. There's definitely this strategy that we're aware of. I think it's balancing that uh, between that and not taking yourself too seriously. (laughs) That's very important. Um, How have you found, um, I guess, how did you, you seem to be in a, in a pretty balanced and, and flowy place right now. Um, I'm in a balanced and flowy place. (laughs) It seems like you are. (laughs) You got me on a Saturday. No. Uh, Saturdays are my days. I it's like yeah, Saturdays are typically my days, but I'm constantly working. I mean, tomorrow we're gonna be live tweeting and live socializing the Oscars. But for me, once again, is I find ways to do it so it's not a drain. So I'm gonna be doing it from home. I'm not. I've also cut out a lot of my socializing that is not needed because I found that was draining. You know, the le- less sleep I get, the more energy I spend. Um, or I'm very sensitive to energy, so I would get very drained from being around people a lot, even though I am around people. But to the time that I have after hours, I try to, even if I'm working, I'll I'll go home and be able to have, you know, Netflix going while I'm doing emails or creating presentations or brainstorming ideas. So it's it's how you spend your time. You you drain yourself a lot when you are trying to keep up with um, a process that's not really creating results. So you need to, once again, find out what's for you. Fair enough. Fair enough. So um, there have been a few bumps in the road. Uh, how do you fight your way back from setbacks? Because I'm guessing you didn't always know everything about yourself. So I'm what are... I'm still figuring it out. I'm, not, I'm, like, <laughs> I'm definitely on more of a, I think, I think every time I go through a down point, I look at it as a lesson and then really meditate on why this is happening and and, and I don't judge you you can't judge the negativity um, the minute you judge things that are oh they're positive for a reason or negative for a reason you're creating stories in your head mm-hmm. as to why this is happening why this is this is ha- uh, happening for a reason right so so if negative things happen you have to trust that those are happening because it's leading to, to the right thing you've put you've set your mind to mm-hmm. so uh, you know, I know ultimately I'm a good person. I know ultimately I care. I know ultimately I work my ass off and I have visions of what I want for others in the world and for myself, and it's all connected. And so whatever comes through that might create what we call setbacks or what might create what we call opportunities that progress us more than we even thought were possible, uh, those could be good or bad. Let's, like everything could lead to a good or bad result. I think, but you have to in the moment, right? So you might say, oh my God, I got that audition or I got that job. And then that job leads to something crazy that happens. And you, five years later, are like, why did I get that good job? Yeah. Right? So you don't know, 
you don't know why things are positive or negative, but we 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 place these. Uh, I guess titles on things and stories around things. So I think the less you judge things that are happening to you and that you kind of like accept them as something that will lead to what is needs to happen for you to be the person you need to be. And ultimately if that person is a great person that creates awesome things that will change the world. Then you're like, that's what needs to happen. Clearly. Um, do you have a process for just sort of checking in with yourself about that? Um, yes. I mean, I, I do, I do, like, I do, uh, I guess cheat meditation more every morning, <laughs> the okay. Calm app, which is, uh, cheap for, it's, uh, I mean, it's not other people that actually meditate are probably like, mm-hmm, you do that. but for me it works. I've created, so I try to, depending on how I'm feeling, they have like great affirmations. So I check in with myself a lot and I, I ask myself why I'm feeling certain ways. Like, like, why am I feeling super anxious around this? Is it because I'm just excited about it or is it because it, there's something negative here? Mm-hmm. Or is it because um, I've faced this kind of before and it led to something negative, so I'm putting that judgment on this? So I'm definitely very uh, – I try to be aware and then, I, and then also I just try to – live in the moment and just allow things to pass without overly thinking it. But that, that takes time to figure out and always a learning curve. Right. And then I, yeah, I journal a lot and uh, I just try to approach each day with gratitude and hoping for the best. Uh, But then while always taking each day to do as much as I can do with that time. Cool. Cool. Yeah. So, as previously mentioned, um, you are a badass boss lady. Um, do you, in creating what's trending, um, it's it's gone through a lot of iterations. Um, can yeah. you talk about the interplay of uh, creative control versus the role of collaboration um, with other people? Like, what is what is that process like? What were some of the challenges you faced? Um, how'd you get through them? Yeah, I mean, those are the least amount of challenges for me. I mean, the hard, the hardest thing about having a company um, while being a creative person is having to do the things that aren't the creative stuff, which is managing budgets and managing people and managing employees and um, overhead and revenues and stuff, profits yes. and all the stuff that you're like, oh, God, and, and the fact that uh, it can be so empowering. And there's some people that kill it at that stuff they are so good mm-hmm. and they they thrive off that i think the biggest challenge has been figuring out uh, this, what i really love doing and uh understanding that i i can have an ability to do something but maybe it's not necessarily the best use of my time and mm-hmm. um my uh, decision not to do something is not because it's a lack of my abilities it's a choice right so in figuring out, you know, growing a company, going through the process of, you know, being talent originally and then taking on the company more as CEO, and that was a heavy load on my shoulders, and that still is, and then realizing, okay, I've done this, like, so what's the next phase? I think that's been the biggest challenge of, uh, you know, constantly, yeah, iterating and, and not plateauing and not getting too comfortable. And then knowing when you can identify your weaknesses and your strengths and, more importantly, what you want to do and the why, right? And why are you – because, you know, you could do projects or 
things for, you know, a few years, but at a certain point you have to step back and say, okay, life is continuing. And like, how do, what's the point of all this? And like how, and, and how do I stay true to what I built, but then while staying true to myself? So I think that's a constant uh, thing I think about as well. Is there ever a time when you feel like, okay, it is time to abandon ship? Like, is it, is it constantly? I felt that way, yeah. <laughs> but it okay. feels like a living, but I, but it feels like the thing is for me is it feels like a living, breathing thing. And mm-hmm. what I've realized is entrepreneurs can be very close to their babies and their companies, but they also very much will be like, well, I've been there, done that, and it happened, and it grew, and now I'm going to just go on to the next thing. I, I'm a bit more sensitive to that because I feel like what's trending or what I've built is a bit of an expression of myself. Mm-hmm. And it's also difficult because I see so many companies trying to do what I'm doing, even now. So mm-hmm. for me, I'm always seeing, like, I see the value of what we've built. And that's why uh, through my many obstacles, I've said to myself, well, I'm not going to abandon ship. Like, I want to land this. And even if I land this and someone else takes it over, Mm-hmm. or um, we end up somewhere else where it could thrive. Like, I don't, but I don't feel like crash and burning it like, is the right approach. But you'd be surprised how many entrepreneurs have that approach. <laughs> where they're is like, there... okay, I was, I Go did ahead. this. This is exciting. I'm on to my next project. Right, right, right. And I don't is know. There... Maybe because it's my first, pro- maybe it's because it's my first company. I'm like, mm-hmm. no, that, like, I... And it's so difficult. And it's sort of an ego thing because I see so many people trying to do what we're doing. And I'm like, really? But then yeah. but they just have more resources or all that stuff. But they don't quite seem to have the magic that you have, though, for what it's worth. I mean, that you talk about authenticity. And I think that that does play into a lot of it. Like, that's a, I agree. You, you, tap into well, very, you tap into that very well. I agree. I think uh, passion is super important. And I, I, I've seen so many companies come and go that have tried to do what we do and even that are now alive within organizations that are huge and um, you can see the difference. And so, I mean, my ideal is I, I want to find, you know, I see the future of there, what I'm building or what's trending is, you know, well, there's someone like moving chairs, um, finding a possibly a home or getting to that next stage where we can like continue to blow up and do what we do best. Uh, and, but then I also have other ideas for, really awesome stuff that are almost like spinoffs of what's trending. Um, but so there's a lot of, there's a lot more ideas uh, that we can do with what we have. Uh, so, which is exciting. You have to look at that as an exciting thing. A lot of people could be like, I have all these ideas and it's hard to happen because we don't have the resources. But I look at it as, okay, that's awesome that I have a lot of ideas. Like that energizes me that there's more out there to do. Like that is what helps me get up in the morning that, you know, we got to maintain what we have and build it. But mm-hmm. I'm always thinking about what else, what, what more can we do? What's, what's another first? How, yeah. how can we do things that haven't been done before and um, punch through, I guess, the zeitgeist? Yes. <laughs> so let's talk about the zeitgeist for a second, because I do have a question about this. Um, how do you... All right, look, one of the challenges that I face in my own, like, personal online experience, forget professionally, like, this is not not that, but just, like, going onto my own personal Facebook is about how much of it seems to be, I mean, especially now, about, like, Donald Trump, and mm-hmm. it's it has turned into an echo chamber, and it, yeah. it has. 
Um, how do you, how do you punch through that echo chamber? How do you burst that? Um, and to, yeah. to like not get swept up into, I mean, especially since November, it's been, I mean, even before it's, it's been nuts, um, but you've managed. Yeah, no, it's, it's a challenge because there's some, I, I must say there are some companies, whether it be it's Mike or ATTN or Vox are doing really good. There's some companies doing really good, great stuff. They are the young Turks that have, even though they're still small, they have a lot of resources. And then there's also even bigger companies that are in with Facebook, right? And so you know they're going to appear in, their, in your feed. Mm-hmm. And some of the stuff they do sucks, and some of the stuff is actually good. So it is hard as a company that you know off the bat, you're like, okay, we're less people, we're a smaller team, we're not boosting our posts every single time. Right. Not, we don't, we're yeah. not putting, we're not putting, um, I would say tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars of marketing to Facebook every month. So where does a company like us land, right? That's right. what I think about every day. And so how do we continue to provide for our, our audience and how do we punch through so other audiences will discover us? And I've found like little things, I mean, I, I mean, I think that um, comedic content, like when you put a spin on things, because listen, doing stuff in real time, like, oh, we're going to break the news, that's not the game. Right. I think it's more taking what is out there in the water cooler, and then what's the spin? What's our take on it? Mm-hmm. And is it more of a meme type thing? Is it comedic? There needs to be something else beyond the headline and the news story because they're not coming to any of us. They're going to the CNN, BBC, Al Jazeera maybe for the headline and like the actual facts and news story, or hopefully, I don't know. According to Donald, it's uh, all fake news, right? Yes, of course. But so what? What when we all approach it as other companies in the around digital culture, what's our take? So, you know, we, it was interesting because when we covered SAG Awards, we put up a, a video of Winona Ryder's face doing yes. all those weird facial <laughs> yeah. gestures. And we, I put captioned what the world is feeling right now. Mm-hmm. And that got like over 3 million views. But that was so about, it was about creative and timing. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, for Grammys, we posted Adele's, Beach, right uh, when she won her awards and the whole love fest between her and Beyonce and that was you know that was a mixture of timing and the way we captioned it and all that and that got over almost two million views too so there's mm-hmm. just things but you know and then there's other things that go viral that you could be an independent creator and it's a sketch it's comedy it's taking on a certain situation I look at Randy Rainbow who's this amazing creator on Facebook he's working on his own and he's just taking what's happening in the ecosystem and throwing it on its head and doing some fun musical comedy around it. Mm-hmm. So I think in the end, it's really like, what's your take? How, how are you doing something different? Because you're not going to win on the headline or just the story. It's like, mm-hmm. what is your perspective? What's your spin? Without, you like- and what's your spin? I would say add that. What's your spin without it being, um, uh, I guess, taking away from the story? What are you adding to the story? And it could be you're adding more information, which probably you're not going to really add more information unless you have, like, an investigative reporter team. But how are you adding spin? Is it is it comedy? Is it, hum- you know, and humor? Is it personality, opinion? Mm-hmm. So you need to figure out what you're adding to all these things. So do you feel like that is a thing that has happened more so in the last maybe five years or so? Because you've, you've had some skin in the game for a while now. Um, you know, you've been doing live streams since before it was a thing. You beat everyone to the punch. So I feel like, how do you, 
how do you feel like the business of online entertainment and online reporting like has has that changed do you feel like you have to have more of a spin on it now versus you know 10 years ago oh yeah it's just funny when people i was on a panel for this live summit this week now someone goes live is so big now and it's where it's at and i was like were you here uh you know five six years ago because exactly. we were live then you know so live was we were live back in you know it was 2008 yeah. to 11 right and then it went back to short form social video mm-hmm. and then now the final the platforms are ready and it's seamless and it's more shareable so it makes sense now Mm-hmm. Um, so what was, what was your question though, based around that, like in terms of, like, do you feel like the personality of the business has changed over the past 10 years? Like do, the people in it, the new breed versus yeah, the old course. breed, how is, well, yeah, how? But that's always, everything's always changing. Well, one, there is traditional is finally here. So you have people that were probably five years ago fighting all this and mm-hmm. not thinking it was real that are now excited about it. <laughs> yes. Um, and then there's just new players. There's people that were in school. They were literally children five years ago. Yes. And then uh, there are other people that were probably, yeah, young, and they weren't in the industry. And But that's like any industry. It's yeah. always evolving. And so I think you need to welcome and collaborate because the, I think the more limitations you put on yourself, whether it be with the people or the content or the mm-hmm. ideas, you're not going to win. I mean, we've seen it with so many industries. You know, we we come from a place of fear. Whenever you come from a place of fear, you're going to lose. Right. You need to come from a uh, – you, listen, you could feel fear, but feel it and then get over it. <laughs> Move on. <Of> course. <laughs> and And figure out what you can do and what, what you're good at and what mm-hmm. excites you and – and then look at the players, and the players could be new, the players could be old. And, but Yeah, I guess my question is not, it's, it's more about, um, do you feel like there's been an inherent change in, the, in what is required of, of the people who want to be successful? Like, do you feel like uh, it yeah. was, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, but for, I mean, yes, but no. I mean, I, I think there's still an incestuousness to this industry, like mm-hmm. there always was. Yeah, uh, I do think collaboration is key, which there, it always was. Uh, but yeah, there's definitely you need to know everything: titles, tags. It's all important. Right. Uh, how you edit something together, how you decide. You know, you really need to think about it, whether it's long or short, or if it has graphics. Like it's all part of why it can be shareable, or the data mm-hmm. around it, the timing. Yeah, there's so there's a lot more knowledge you need to have. I was telling someone who works with me that is a writer producer and like her job five years ago had been totally different than it is now. And she told me she hates titles. She hates oh. making titles for videos. Yeah. And I go, that's 50 per- 50% of your job is what you do before the video's up. And then 50% of it is like, what happens to the video once it's published? That's wow. a producer. Like you, you're, you're only as good at, as you know, and, and of course for Netflix, but the same thing it went back to ratings. So if you're going to be p- producing stuff for digital, it could be good, but you're like, it got no views. Right. And that could be, Partially, if that's not your job, oh, there was a social person, they did, sucked. But you need to start thinking in that way. You need, to, as a social producer, like, mm-hmm. what is, how is this, uh, and if you're doing stuff in real time, also. Do you, do you have any feelings about that? One way or the other, if it's a, a, I'm a positive or I realize that you don't necessarily um, like to look at things in a negative way. I think it's just changed. It's just, it's just, it's, 
I think it's just uh, a change. I also think, though, that, you know, when when old school producers or any sort of old school um, position comes into play, like, it's not gone. I mean, if you look at the stuff that works on Netflix and Amazon, all those big shows, like, those are just that's great storytelling and sure. great products. Mm-hmm. However, I would say the people that produce, are producing that, if they were smart, they would talk to Amazon and be like, how are you marketing this? What are you doing? So I do think you have to have an inherent knowledge of all these things, and that works for you. Your inability to care about what happens once your content is up, it could be an amazing, amazing content. One person could discover it, and then that blows it out of the water. But mm-hmm. in the end, if it, I think you're more empowered when you get all sides of it. And then if you have a budget to not have to do that job, then good, good for you. <laughs> That sounds awesome. That's all right. Cool. All right, Shira, uh, I know you've got a long bike ride ahead of you. Um, but before you go, <laughs> we do have a just a series of rapid fire end of interview questions. Um, okay. It never ends up being rapid fire because we're going to sit and talk about a lot yep. of stuff. All right. So number one, uh, what is the weirdest job you've ever had? I was an animator motivator for parties like bar mitzvahs and butt mitzvahs. So I got people on the dance floor. Nice. Excellent. Um, how difficult was that? How oh, weird was it? Not really. I got to dance around and it was like a workout and I love dancing. So I love dance parties. So it was actually a lot of fun. But it's a bunch of 13 year olds <laughs> who are not exactly the yeah. smoothest bunch. Or were, I guess or I, do the same, I do the same job now. So I'm <laughs> like, you know, I motivate sometimes Well, on some of the platforms I work on where, you know, we're interacting with 13 to 18 year old. Oh, that's true. So that's true. it's funny. So it hasn't changed. <laughs> but yeah, it could be hard if people are, you know, jaded and negative. But yeah, sure. I would still have fun. That was a fun job. And then I got to eat good food, good catered food and oh, get paid. And that's yeah. fantastic. When you're All 16. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, what word do you overuse? Oh, I say like a lot, which I hate. Oh. I think because I stopped saying um, so I replaced it like, and what other, hypothetically, what other words do I use in fart a lot? I say a lot, babe, baby, baby, <laughs> babe, you know? I said babe to one of someone that works with me, and then I was like, this is weird. Oh. <laughs> I, That's a different context. No, I, I say hypothetically, hypothetically speaking, or anyway, or. Oh, I like hypothetically. You know what I mean? That would. You know. Yeah. You know, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. All right. Um, what is your favorite method of procrastination? Method of procrastination. Mm-hmm. I guess we watch like Amazon or Netflix or just sleeping in on the weekend. Sleep nice. is sometimes method of procrastination. <laughs> Legit. Respect. Um, or who... Facebook. I guess Facebook. Oh, Facebook. But I mean, is that really procrastination? Because I feel like that's so inherent right, to work. like... Yeah, 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 it's fine stories, but it can exactly. be. Or looking at Instagram is because you're just looking at random stuff. That just- Dude, how do you even decide what the hell goes on your page? Like, how do how do you wade through all of that? What what is your what is your criteria? It's great, but how do you do it? Oh, how do I break through? I mean, there's stuff that I just think is interesting on a personal level, and then when mm-hmm. I once I see something that's being shared a lot, I realize, ooh, this could oh. be big because I have a lot of friends who are in like more early adopters, and that's when I send that link to my staff, and I go, this is about to blow up. Oh, that's cool. Or I've been seeing this a lot in my feed. Nice. Nice. All right. Um, who outside of your own profession inspires you? Uh, I mean, entrepreneurs, 
like a deep pocket, but I feel like everyone's connected to my, my uh, what I do. Mm-hmm. I would mean, say people in the nonprofit space, but like entrepreneurs, like a Richard Branson, or I guess like Tony Robbins or Deepak Chopra or a Tim Ferriss or Tony Shea or oh, Alexis Ohanian, but he's like in my profession, I guess, mm-hmm. or I don't know, people that are just doing amazing things or like it could be like an engineer or someone that just has pushed through in a space that maybe, you know, any, there were challenges and have, have done like been a pioneer and had breakthroughs. I, I'm inspired by that. Cool. Um, also, you do such wonderful work with nonprofit organizations. I just want to thank you for that in general, because I feel like not everyone uses their, you know, their celebrity and their pull on in this space for the causes that you do. And I think that that's really cool. Um, well, so, thank me. Thank the people that are actually doing the hard work. But yeah, thanks. Yeah. I mean, I would do more of it if I could, actually. But yeah, I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> um, what is the most important trait that you look for in people? humor and empathy oh do you feel like they are hand in hand always or are there are there um schisms are there divides between yeah, i those? guess i guess there could be a serious person but you could see they care i think empathy is really important i think that you're you know uh but that allows you to be malleable with others so being able to when you have empathy you could see if someone's sad you you know you have to approach them in a sensitive way or if yeah, sure you know, it's an understanding for others and uh, also respect and mutual respect of what what is needed right now and, and being able to put, put yourself, I guess, not first when you yeah, approach sure. that. Yeah, and it's, I feel like that's hard often in today's culture where that's not always, you know, that's not the Yeah, just being able to take a moment, yeah, being able to take a moment and to connect with what someone else might be feeling and uh, and just even whether it be like, I get where you're coming from and this is, sorry, this is where I'm at, whether it be work or anything, just having that empathy and honesty and transparency. Is um, what is the most embarrassing song on your iPod? Embarrassing song on my iPod? Well, I don't have an iPod, but Spotify, I guess. Well, your iPod um, or your Spotify. Yeah, yeah, your no, playlist. Yeah. <laughs> Spotify. What's the most embarrassing song on my Spotify right now? I do listen to Spotify, but I listen to so many random songs. I listen to playlists. I guess, I guess a lot of pop. What is it, like Dave Moore? And there was someone that posted something with me, and everyone was making fun of it because he's a dad, and it was saying that he was posting something. Where is it? Oh my god, I don't know about the most embarrassing. I mean, I'll, there's probably like a lot of random pop songs that. You'd be like, really? And like, I don't even probably listen to that, but it's in a playlist that I like. Aaron Carter. Aaron Carter. No, I don't listen to Aaron. I like Aaron (laughs) Carter as a person. I haven't been listening to him. I'm trying to see. Someone posted something that I was kind of embarrassed by. Oh, no. But more, but, oh, yeah, this. I guess on this playlist I was listening to, it was a song called Do It Like a Dude by Jesse J. And I was like, I don't listen to that like it just it was funny that i was listening to jesse J do it like a dude i don't <laughs> even up. know what that is i live yeah, under a rock because, because then in this he was listening to apples and bananas he's a, he a child oh, and my other friend was listening to childish gambino and mine felt very funny nice yeah you nice. can see what people listen to is that yeah I, have to, I should turn it off probably people are like why are you listening to those? yeah <laughs> 
Don't listen to the haters. Don't listen to the haters. Yeah. Um, if you were a criminal, what kind of criminal would you be? If I was a criminal, what kind of criminal would I be? Oh, God. I guess I would help people that are disenfranchised and, like, that were stuck in situations. So I'd be like, we're going to get you out. Like, a criminal for, or, like, the people that are in crappy situations with other criminals and I would I do feel like that is not better. a criminal thing though. <laughs> no. I'm going to go ahead and judge that. Kind of right. Like a criminal that would do things for good but even though it feels illegal. Ah, uh, got it. Okay. All right. That I understand. Bad things my boyfriend said. What? Wow. If you're a criminal like stealing money? Yeah, stealing money so then you could steal money from bad people though, hopefully. You would and be robbing use it for good. What? Yeah. Steal cars. Steal cars? Steal from innocent people. <laughs> like, if, steal it from, yeah, people that are mean. Rich dicks. Rich dicks. <laughs> nice. And finally, <laughs> other than your home, where is home? Uh, well, besides Los Angeles, Montreal. Mm-hmm. And... I always thought Hawaii, like Hawaii was the second home, but I don't know. I think Montreal, Chicago, and L.A. Interesting. I know you spend, I, did, I know you're from Montreal. I didn't know you spent time in Chicago. When were you there? Well, my boyfriend's from Winnetka, ah, Chicago. I see. So I guess got that's it. another home. Got it, got it, got it. Yeah. All right, cool. Shira, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. Um, where can we find you? Where, and what, uh, what can we look for you? What can we look for next from you? Yeah, you can find me at Shira Lazar everywhere and at What's Trending everywhere. And we're going to be live daily starting this morning show. And then we're also going to be at South by Southwest. I don't know when this is going to be up uh, from uh, the Comcast Blogger Lounge doing all these live interviews. So if you're around there, stop by in the convention center. Rock and roll. All right. Uh, cool. I just also want to give a special shout out to Taryn Southern for making this happen. Thank you so much. Yeah. She is magical and wonderful. And Taryn's uh, awesome. yeah. She's all right. (laughs) And uh, this has been The Ramble with uh, WebV Guide. I'll see you all next time.